0: Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us together in this place on Trinity Sunday. And may your spirit of revelation come upon us to lead us into a deeper relationship with the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, with your presence. We love you and we focus on you now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning. My name is uh, Lenny Konchevitz. For those of you who don't know me, I am the resident church planter here. I'm originally from Germany, as you may hear in my accent. My wife is from here, from Florida, and um, we live in St. John's County, leading the church plant over there. We moved there about half a year ago. We have two little fiery prophets called Eli and Micah, and um, they're a lot of fun. And, I, wanted to, I didn't say that at the 9am service, but I at least want to say it to you, better late than never. I am standing here as a German, obviously, and we are celebrating Memorial Day, and I just want to say thank you, and thank you to your fathers, who many of them laid down their lives over in Europe, to help people like me live in freedom, right? So I appreciate that, and without their sacrifice, I might not be standing here preaching today. So it's, I'm grateful. For you, I'm grateful for God for what he has done through you. I have a fun, interesting, easy task this morning, and that is to preach about the Trinity. It is very simple, I think we will be done in five minutes. Um, You know, I'm German, Germans like to figure things out, you know, people still are amazed by the cars we build. (laughs) Um, But, you know, nothing comes close to the Trinity and I had to humble myself often and just kind of accept the fact that we worship a God who is mysterious, who exists as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three in one. And I need, I personally need the mystery of that. I need to not be able to create God in my own imagination. I need to come to my limits and say, God, you are holy, you are beyond my imagination. And yet you relate to us. You've made yourself available so we can have relationship with you. And so since we're still in the season of Pentecost, I would like to to focus a little bit more today on the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and what His role is in helping us be redeemed and also live in the life that that we were always meant to live. And so before we dive into today's sermon texts, I want to zoom back out a little bit and look at the bigger picture of everything that's going on from before the world was created. Because before there was anything created, there was God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have always coexisted as three in one. They were perfectly fine and perfectly happy. And, um, and the way that their relationship can be best described is as perfect love. Apostle John tells us in 1 John 5 two times that God is love. Now if God was some individual being from eternity, then he wouldn't have had anybody to love, which implies there must have been multiple beings somehow involved in the Godhead. So only then can he be love. And it, was, it is in this perfect love that we find the origin of everything. The universe was created as an overflow of that love, not because God needed a creation or people who tell him that he is great, but because he wanted to share his glory and his love with creatures. They're so united. Whenever we talk about the Father, we, we, we also think about the Son. Jesus says, whoever sees me sees the Father. Whoever receives the Holy Spirit receives the Spirit of Christ. It's, it's, it's beautiful how, how the three of them in their perfect love created us as image bearers. But we all know that when they created us, we all messed up. And then our ancestor Adam, he rebelled against God. And that perfect harmony, that relationship was broken, was interrupted. But because God is perfect love, that love required that he did something to redeem what he had just created in his image see god is not somebody who abandons people or creation when things go wrong he did not say i'm going to push the delete button and blow up planet earth i'm going to make another earth and create a human called gus and then it will work right no He said, I'm going to redeem Adam. And a plan of salvation was put into place that God, in his trinitarian wisdom, had already planned before anything even ever got wrong. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 1. God already knew what he was going to do when things go wrong. So nothing took God by surprise. And so he sent Jesus at the appointed time And this is where we find ourselves now today here in the Scripture. And Jesus is beautifully talking about the Holy Spirit in the Scripture as well. And as I said earlier, I want to talk a little bit more about the Spirit today and about his main function and role in the believer's life. So we find ourselves here at night, at nighttime. Nicodemus visits Jesus at night. Now, people assume that he did that because he didn't want to be seen by his colleagues. Nicodemus was an influential Pharisee. He was part of the ruling council. He was one of the top Jews. And he had concluded in his heart that Jesus must have come from God because what Jesus was doing, that, that was just supernatural. It must have been God. And so he comes to Jesus and he says exactly that. He says, Jesus, we believe you have come from God because nobody does what you're doing unless God is with them. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't comment on that at all. He doesn't say, yeah, you're right, good, go home and tell all the other Pharisees what you just told me. He doesn't say that. Instead, Jesus answers a question that he didn't directly ask, but that he was indirectly, somehow underlyingly asking all the time. Not just him, but all Jews at the time were asking that one question. And the question was, when is the kingdom of God coming? Where is the kingdom of God? How, how do we get there? When, when are you going to establish your rule here in Jerusalem as all the prophets had prophesied? This is the question Jesus is answering here, interestingly. And he says, no one will enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What a funny answer. And, and, and we can only imagine Nicodemus going like, born again. And, and we, we read that here. He, he's confused. He's like, what? Like, Do I, what do you mean born again? And Jesus says, well, you have to be born by the Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of God exists primarily in the Spirit. So you have to be born again of the Spirit. And Nicodemus struggles with all of that and he's not sure what to do with it. And um, so Jesus needs to help him out a little bit and bring some clarity into what being born of the Spirit means. And what he does, as he explains all that to Nicodemus, and I, I can only focus on a few aspects here now. This text is so rich in content, you could preach a whole sermon series on, on all the verses, all the, the depth of answers Jesus gives you to Nicodemus. But, but the one thing I want to focus on is, is when Jesus answers Nicodemus and says, OK, let me explain to you. Being born of the Spirit is like being born of the wind. In fact, the word for spirit and for wind are the same word in the Greek. It's the word pneuma. It's the same in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, ruach. The same word for wind, for spirit, and for breath as well. Wind, breath, spirit, that, that's all somehow the same. And so Jesus says, okay, being born of the spirit is like being born of the wind. It's, there's freedom. It's hard to predict. It's hard to control. There's liberty involved. And I believe that there is a significance in the fact that Jesus says wind, because we know as people who have the entirety of Scripture who just came through, who who are just in the season of Pentecost, we know that the Holy Spirit loves to come as a a strong wind. We read that last week in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were gathered and praying and worshiping, that the Holy Spirit came and there was a sound of a strong wind. So the Holy Spirit is is a strong wind. and that. When we look at the history of Israel, there is something very interesting that happened in Israel's um, salvation story. I shared that with our, in our church plan last, last week, actually. It's, it's this analogy of, of um, not an analogy, it's, it's the actual event in history where, where the Israelites left Egypt, where they were for 400 years under slavery, under oppression. They left uh, left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and they were stuck and and Pharaoh's army came chasing after them. And it says in scripture that God sent a strong wind to part the sea and to, to push them through the waters. And when Israel came out on the other side of the sea and the waters closed again and buried all of Pharaoh's army, Israel had received a new birth in a way. They were completely cut loose from oppression. They were cut loose from, from, from Pharaoh. They were no longer slaves. Now, in their minds, they still struggled a little bit and had some issues to sort out, which is why they were stuck in the, in the desert for another 40 years. And it took a while before they went into the promised land. But still, nothing had changed the fact that, it, that Israel was delivered. That they had been born into a new identity as a worshiping people of god that is the first thing they did after they crossed the red sea they went to mount sinai and they established the covenant with yahweh and they became worshipers they stepped into the new identity in a similar way jesus is saying here we need to be born of the wind we need to be pushed through the red sea leave the old behind and that is what the holy spirit is doing in your life this is how the trinity wants to Implement the work of salvation in our lives. What happened to Israel was like a prophetic shadow for all of us as we enter into relationship with God. And so that, that brings me here to, to Romans 8. We had, we, uh, before we read the gospel, we read Romans chapter 8. And there's this very famous verse in verse 15 and 16. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul uses the slavery image here again you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear you know it's the fear that we all inherited from Adam and Eve when they sinned remember when they ate of the forbidden fruit they rebelled against God and God came looking for them they were hiding behind the bush right because God didn't see them there no, he did. Of course he did. They were, they were trying to hide. Why? Because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid because something had changed in them that made them feel inadequate to step into the presence of God. And it is that kind of fear, the fear of inadequacy, the fear that something is deeply wrong with, within us because of sin, that keeps us in slavery and in bondage, that rather wants us to stay in Egypt under under Satan's rule, then step into the freedom of of those who are born of the wind and the Spirit of God. It's that kind of fear that Paul is saying we did not receive when we were born again. But he says here, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As I was preparing this, I asked myself, when was the last time I cried, Abba, Father? Now, he he doesn't say here, um, by whom we say, Abba, Father, or by whom we whisper, Abba, Father. He uses a dramatic word here. He says, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's this deep from within us, we say, Abba. Now, Abba is not the 70s pop band, okay, that maybe some of us (laughs) remember. Abba is... (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't that be weird Abba (laughs) Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy there is a deep cry within our spirits within those who are born of the Spirit there's a deep cry in us that says dad father that is what the, the Holy Spirit does in us day and night witnessing testifying to our spirits that we are children of god and he's trying to to remind us of it and to call us into it because the more we walk in this identity the more we actually lay off the old and put to death the works of the flesh as we read in romans 8 we leave pharaoh behind we leave the thinking of slavery behind and we step into our identity as sons and daughters of god that is what the holy spirit is trying to do within us crying abba daddy You know there's only one person who ever had the privilege to actually do that it's not that we can just walk around and have and just you know say oh i can call god my daddy no that is a huge privilege that we received here and there's only one person who actually ever had that privilege and that is jesus the eternally begotten son of god he is the one who lived and still lives in such close union with the father that he's constantly In communion with his daddy and in fact when he walked on earth he used the word Abba daddy a lot when he talked with God or when he talked about God and he is sharing that with us all of us here sitting this morning he's saying I want you to enter into the same relationship that I have with the father the same Trinitarian relationship between father son and Holy Spirit is your inheritance See, the Trinity is not just a concept that we came up with to make more sense of the Bible. The Trinity is not just some random religious idea to separate us from other religions in the world. And the Trinity is not something that's just kind of out there. The Trinity is we are embedded in the Trinitarian life. Those who are born again in the Spirit, we are united with Christ. We are the body of Christ and we share that relationship with the Father every day no matter if you have a good day or a bad day no matter if you just slipped and sinned or not it doesn't change the fact that god sees you as a dearly beloved child and a son and a daughter of god that is what what jesus is somehow talking about here as he is talking to nicodemus now of course he you know he's using less words than what i just did but it's it's leading to the same conclusion The main function of the Holy Spirit is to testify to your spirit that you are a child of God. See, being born again, you know, know, I don't, you know, I lived in Northern Ireland before in Belfast, which is like the the Bible Belt of Europe, there are like churches everywhere and Christian Bible verses hang on trees to make people go to church and repent. So often you would see um, signs on trees saying, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. And I think what often people think is that you need to say the sinner's prayer so that when you die, you go to heaven. At least that's what I often understood it to be. I don't know about you. But Jesus here is not really talking about what you must do to go to heaven after you die. He's talking about how you can enter into the reality of the kingdom of God that's already here right now. And yes, that includes going to heaven when you die and then you probably come back to earth because that's what Revelation says But that's for another for another end time sermon what, what Jesus is really saying here is the kingdom of God is at hand if you want to enter in you must be born again right now And Nicodemus he's like what? <laughs> How can this be? Count the number of times Nicodemus asks what (laughs) in this passage and yeah like i said we have the privilege of having the entire scripture here we you know we can look back and put all these puzzle pieces together but Nicodemus is like man this is this is rich oh by the way i wanted to point out that this foundation of having the holy spirit testify to my heart that i'm a son of god it's the foundation for everything. See, I grew up in a charismatic church, you know, where the gifts of the Spirit were up op- in operation, prophesying and praying for healing and all of that stuff, and that's great, that's amazing. But if we do that, if we make that the main function of the Holy Spirit and not His testimony to our spirits that we are children of God, then we're in danger of idolizing the gifts. And we're in danger of idolizing the ones who operate in these gifts. And we're in danger of setting ourselves up for, for a big fall. Because ultimately, what really matters is that you know in your spirit that you are a child of God. No matter if you do miracles, or if you speak in tongues, or if you do any of these other charismatic things, which again, I really like and love. and have, They have their purpose, but it's not the main thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And so Nicodemus says, okay, so alright, what what now? What do I need to do? And Jesus goes into a long answer and he, he, he leads up to one point that I believe is really the main answer to how can I get born again? What do I do? And Jesus refers to himself as the serpent that was put on a pole. In Numbers 21 we read that the people of Israel had rebelled against God and snakes came into the camp and started biting people and they were dying and sick and God told Moses take a bronze serpent snake put it on a pole lift it up and everybody who looks at it will live. What an odd thing to do right? But it was a prophetic picture for what Christ was going to do. And so Jesus says just like the serpent was put on a pole and lifted up so I must be lifted up. I will become the snake for humanity. I will, I will absorb sin and rebellion and sickness and everything into my body and whoever looks at me will find healing. Whoever looks at me and trusts that I'm doing this for him, that is the first step to being born again, saying yes to that. Then the Holy Spirit comes and gives birth to you, pushes you through the Red Sea and cuts you off from the influence of Pharaoh. You're no longer a slave. The child. Look and trust. And that is how we then end up in the most quoted Bible verse ever, probably, John 3.16. And I would, like to, I would like to quote it and rephrase it into Trinitarian language this morning because as we have seen, the Trinity is deeply involved in this whole process of salvation. John 3.16. For God the Father so loved the world that he gave God the Son so that whoever looks to him with eyes of trust will not perish but will be born again through God the Holy Spirit to share in the eternal life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 3.16 is a declaration that you and I have been embedded in the life of the Trinity. That's amazing. That's good news. I'm so glad we have Trinity Sunday once a year to remind ourselves of that. So I want to invite you, if you have never looked to Jesus on the cross with eyes of trust, like the Israelites had to do in the desert, if you've not done that, I want to invite you to do that. In fact, we're about to have communion. It's a beautiful moment. Just come forward and say, okay, Jesus. I'm going to receive your body and blood, and with eyes of faith I say yes, that what you did, you did for me. When you do that in your heart, the Holy Spirit comes, and you are born again, as a son, as a daughter of God. And those of you who are born again, and you sometimes maybe don't feel born again, (laughs) you know, we all have these days, right? I don't know if I'm born again, maybe I need to give my life to Christ again. No, 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 no. You're fine. Our lives don't depend on our feelings. Praise God. I want to encourage you by faith to align yourself with what is already true in your life. Deep in your spirit, the spirit cries out, Abba, Father. I want to encourage you when you go home tonight or whenever you want, start praying, Abba, Father. Cry it out. Say, Daddy, Father. Come into alignment with it by faith because it is already true. And alignment releases anointing. Alignment releases power. Alignment releases these things. So come into alignment with the fact that you are a son and a daughter of God by crying out, Abba, Father. I want to encourage you to do that at home on your own. So let me say a simple prayer as we end this. It's from the prayer book. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit